How's it going, everyone, guys? Uh, welcome to the second episode of Tuned Up, the animation podcast from uh, for the Renegade Pop Culture Network. I am Mike. I will be your captain for this tour around the world of animation. Um, before we get started, I'd like to introduce uh, the rest of the panel. With my uh, starting with my co-host uh, Cameron. Howdy, y'all. And uh, Josh. Hey, what's up? And Crystal will be joining us later in the program once we uh, get into the meat of the topic, which is Trolls World Tour. This is the new release that is uh, due to the coronavirus as now premiered at home instead of in theaters. But before we get to that, Cameron, I, I believe you have some uh, some news to discuss. What yes. what do you got? Alrighty, so the last time I was on previously on Tuned Up, um, we had a few delays. Bob's Burgers was delayed to next year. SpongeBob Sponge on the Run was delayed to July of this year. Minions: The Rise of Gru was delayed to next year due to the animators having to work from home and are not able to complete the film. Scoob has been delayed until further notice with no real release date confirmed. And G-Kids has picked up the distribution rights to the highly anticipated Lupin the Third the First, the franchise's first entry into CGI animation. There is also a rumor going around that G-Kids will be picking up the um, anime film Her Blue Sky, um, which is uh, by Mario Kata of Anohana and um, Makia fame, which is about um, a second-year high school student who is an aspiring musician and her older sister's ex-boyfriend is a struggling guitarist. So it's very like young coming of age and music focused. So take this with a grain of salt. There's no real confirmation on it, but we will see what happens there. The kids does acquire that, that, that movie does sound right up my alley. Yeah. Yeah. Um, the Annecy international film festival, the E3 of animation from around the world has been canceled, or at the very least, so far, the physical festival has been canceled. They are going to announce the lineup for a virtual festival on April 15th, so basically probably by the time you hear this, we will know what will be, in, will be competing and what will be shown off to the public or to some extent people who work in journalism. So we'll have to see what happens there. And for some other foreign animation delights to be on the lookout for, there is a movie coming out called On Gaku R Sound, a Japanese animated film about high school delinquents who have never touched an instrument decide to form a band. And it's probably the closest thing you can come to indie animation in Japan due to its rough look but just unique flair. There is also the film coming from Production IG called uh, 
The Deer God, which is being directed by Masashi Ando, who worked plenty on Studio Ghibli projects and will be um, made by Production IG, who basically made a bunch of anime, too many to count. I'm not going to waste time talking about it. But the Deer King... Sorry, I, I might have messed, messed up the names. Anyway, the Deer King is by the mo- creator of the manga, Moribito, Guardian of the Spirit. You may have seen the anime when it premiered, uh, aired on Adult Swim a while back. Bones, the studio behind My Hero Academia, the Cowboy Bebop movie, and Sword of the Stranger are making a new movie called Josie, the Tiger and the Fish, which will be released this year. And that's all that I have for the indie uh, foreign animation scene. That's sound, those all sound like pretty uh, interesting projects. Yeah, no, it's always a delight to find out what's going on across the world. Pretty varied, pretty pretty diverse. A lot of a lot of selection. Yeah, yeah. So, shall we move on to the next news thing? <laughs> uh. Yeah, um, this this one is uh, pretty interesting. You know, this podcast has accidentally turned into um, intense criticism of Disney, and <laughs> and that's not going to stop anytime soon because, according to Variety, one of their next um, projects for Disney Plus is a remake of Robin Hood. Um. Now the only the only hard facts we know right now are that it's being developed by the director of Blind Spotting. That is um, Carlos Lopez Estrada. So that's that's an that's a name that has me the most curious about this movie. Um, because another another indie director who made one of my favorite Disney live action remakes was David Lowry, who directed um, Pete's Dragon and is also working on a remake of Peter Pan. Um, so what so what do you guys think about about this project? Uh, you you go ahead first, Cameron. <laughs> All right, I'm going to play a little devil's advocate, but I'm not fully happy with this announcement. First off, Blind Spotting is one of 2018's best movies. If you have not seen it, do so. It is a fantastic movie that is written by David Diggs and his co-writing partner, and it's a really, really good movie. Probably one of Lion Gate's best releases. Second. This is not the entirely the worst film to remake because of this the original Robin Hood while being super nostalgic to many is considered Disney's cheapest made film and is notorious for reusing and rehashing animation from many of their previous films and it's not one of their strongest ones so a remake wouldn't be the worst idea. On the other hand, you're taking a super talented indie director and you're giving him a boilerplate 
photorealistic animation film to Robin Hood. And I don't know. I want him to work with work on like at Pixar or something. And I'm I'll give him some wiggle room and hope that this is kind of like a Hallmark assignment saying like, hey, you make this for us. And depending on how it turns out, we'll let you do whatever. Because this was part of that announcement where they uh, hired a bunch of unique and varied directors to make. Well, it was supposed that they were making animated films. But um, to hear that he's being put on one of the Disney remakes is a little disappointing but like you said peach dragon turned out great so we'll have to see i'm not i'm kind of mixed i somewhat agree just like well i mostly agreed like i have a lot of nostalgia for for robin hood and i actually showed it to crystal not too long ago her and her siblings and uh I did not remember it being as cheap as it was. I There are even points in the movie they reused their own animations that they probably did for the movie that were recycled from other movies in this big dance scene at the like in the middle. Yeah. But I, I can't help but feel like Robin Hood, more than anything, was one of those that doesn't need to be remade because as cheap as robin hood is there's a charm to it that i can't explain like it's one of the more relaxed disney movies while also kind of dark in in a sense like it's kind, as it's a, kind of like the from the stone is like yeah in the sense of that like laid back uh tone yeah like, yeah I think sort of in the in the stone is probably the is no no doubt the better of the two, but Robin oh, Hood, sure. undeniably. But Robin Hood has this this just this charm that can appeal to anybody. Like even they as even them as they were roasting it for how cheap it was, they still really liked it. And they, they, back back then, Disney was such a very weird time where. They weren't so preoccupied with a squeaky clean image. I mean, they had a they had a character getting just sauced, and uh, they they had a character robbing from a church. Yep. Which I, I had to admit, even now, like I remember as a kid, that scene was just really like pit in the stomach, just kind of cold and cynical and dark. And even rewatching it, it was like that moment hits hard and. The problem I have with modern Disney, at least in terms of remakes like this, they lose sight of what makes the original so endearing. I will say the thing that holds up surprisingly well about Robin Hood is, like you said, the personality, the charm. And it really all starts with the rooster starting us off. And the, of course, timeless like Robin Hood, little John Robin running through the forest like everybody knows that song a yeah. use that song because it's so iconic and there's just a lot of charm to the characters granted Maid marion disappears for the entire third half of the movie but th- there's still like fun little moments and uh Prince John is still a funny villain and <laughs> I, I think he might be one of my favorite of the um like the pathetically funny um, villains. Yeah, yeah. 
And like, and this is just a voice acting thing for me. You don't hear voices like this anymore. Like, no, you don't. Prince John, uh, Little John, Robin Hood himself, uh, even the uh, the sheriff who is just a despicable, loathsome, loathsome character. Like you don't hear that anymore. And it's just so slimy and condescending. Just you, you want to punch him in the face every time he shows up. Yeah, yeah. So it, it's like I'm not I'm not shocked people are upset about this, and it is like Disney. You have so much money, you could literally do like ten films, and they would bomb, and you'd still be okay. Um, and yet it. I want to see some footage of this first. I want to see what the characters are going to look like, and I want to see what the story is. Um, because no, because none of you guys have brought it up yet, I'll I'll point out um, sort of the obvious problem that I have with this remake. I don't understand why Disney, why Disney of all people, are trying to bring back Robin Hood when, like, less than two years ago. Lionsgate um, tried their own version that, you know, failed miserably. Yeah, I think they lost like $200 million. <laughs> and you just gave me a horrifying thought that um, I have I, I, my YouTube friend, my YouTube sister, Gwendolyn J. Stone, she tweeted out the other day, we're going to get another adaptation of Robin Hood and he's going to be played by Tom Holland, I swear to God. And now I can just see it. Oh, my. Um, I don't know. I kind of dig it, but also I don't need more Tom Holland right now since, you know, he's got to work on that Uncharted film. (laughs) (laughs) We're we're, we're assuming that Uncharted movie is is even happening. Yeah, we'll talk. We're going to bring that up someday on the on the general discussion, because, oh, my God. God, that is a well, can of worms. Spe- yeah. Speaking of things that are happening, um, next month on May 3rd, Rick and Morty Season 4 returns. Woo! I'm glad uh, about that. <laughs> I, we, we, haven't, we haven't had the chance to talk about it yet, but how, how are you guys enjoying um, Rick and Morty so far? I'm enjoying it. It's still a lot of the same, same sharp writing and creative commentary. I'm a little worried that they're going to start tripping over them themselves. Like they're kind of going to, they're going to be their worst enemy and get in their own way. But I'm, I'm still liking the series. I, yeah. So that says for me. I've, I've heard some negative um, criticism about season four, how it's, it's not quite as fresh as, as like the previous seasons. Um, but my rebuttal to that is the snake episode, which is probably <laughs> one of the funniest, like probably the funniest um, 30 minutes I've seen um, like in quite some time. And I, I love how the, like the more that episode, um, like as the episode progresses, the sillier the uh, like the time travel element gets. Yeah. Yeah. Because I, I recall I recall in the past that like um, Dan Harmon has like never really been a fan of 
of like time travel stories. So this, yeah. so this was like the one episode where it's like, let, let's get all the bad ideas and just shove them into one episode. <laughs> yeah, that sounds like Dan Harmon. Um, and I will say I did love seeing uh, Key and Peele's characters return. Um, oh, yeah. At the very end. And the, the, the show is still like very unique. But I'm, I'm sure it's like, okay, we've had a lot of shows be kind of cynical, hyper-violent, very pessimistic. That it, Yeah, I can understand some people saying Rick and Morty is starting to feel like the rest. Um, but I'm still trying to find shows that are smarter and more creative that um, the fan base is kind of missing the point on at points, but... It's still highly enjoyable. Um, but it's interesting you bring up the fan base because I'm I, I feel really bad because I I love Dan Harmon. He is my probably my biggest ongoing inspiration as a writer. I think I mentioned it in the in the staff profile, but this season of Rick and Morty, I haven't been able to watch a single episode and I haven't had the drive to lately, and it's solely because of the fan base. Hmm. Like, is it weird that, like, as much as I really was looking forward to Rick and Morty, I love what I've seen. The show is great. Even if season three, I think, got a little bit too dark for its own good. Like, it focused too much on drama and not enough on story and, and comedy, if that makes sense. Yeah, yeah. But uh, a, l- a little bit. But but season four, like after everything that happened with season three, just how cynical everything felt, and then on top of that, how terrible the fan base was, like just the whole Szechuan sauce incident. Oh, it, it it was it was enough to make me think like I could live a year or two without Rick and Morty. That's the problem, and it's like. People like the hyperviolence. They like the comedy and the writing. But I think some people, and I know this is going to sound snobbish. I apologize. And I do mean that. They're missing the point of some of the themes that the uh, show touches upon. And like Rick as a character. And like Movie Bob has pointed this out. And it's tough because Rick is not a good person. And a lot of his antics are wildly self-destructive. And yet people think he's like, you know, an icon. You should live up to him. And it's like, uh, I don't think you want to. (laughs) And like the whole pickle Rick thing, I think is a good example because, you know, he turned himself into a pickle to get out of family therapy. He did not want to confront himself or how he interacts with the family and he almost dies. And just by the miracle of God, he doesn't. And he somehow keeps failing upwards through that whole episode. It, it's tough. I understand. Like I think fan bases, especially the vocal ones that make everything hard for everyone do ruin the aspect of enjoying a show like Rick and Morty. 
which is why I'm thankful that DuckTales is one of the very few shows that not only not only has a fan base that, you know, isn't incredibly toxic, but yeah. it like the fan base kind of makes the experience of watching the show um just that much better. Yeah. Now, yeah. is that is anyone here caught up with um with season three of DuckTales? I, I am not, sadly. I dropped off not because of lack of interest it's just i i need to find time to sit down and watch it and since i have Disney plus now i'm gonna catch up on it yeah, understandable. I've, been meaning, I've been meaning to watch it especially since that pilot was free on 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 youtube a while back and i really liked it and let, let me ask crystal because she just walked in oh, crystal yeah. by the way hey all scott <laughs> Uh, Crystal, have you seen DuckTales? Absolutely not. Wait, is it the Disney show? Yeah. The, the one that, well, the, the one that's on Disney right now? Yes. Yeah. Okay, I have maybe watched two minutes of an episode, and that's it. <laughs> I like the animation style. Oh, yeah, it's, it's great. Yeah, the, the animation is, is really good. And a good um, cast, also. And yeah. uh, I will say, maybe it's a, I'm going to be one of the few people who, who noticed it. There's a very specific Lupin the Third, the Castle of Cagliostro Easter egg in the pilot episode, and it's when they're going through traffic. You can see a dog character, obviously dressed as Jigen from the Lupin the Third series. It's basically a Castle of Cagliostro Easter egg, and I, I freaked out when I saw that because I was like, okay, I like the cut of the jib of this team working on the show. <laughs> That, that, that's a, that's a good catch. I, I I didn't even see that my first time. Yeah. Um, no, yeah. Go ahead. Now I I know you guys aren't, aren't caught up, but I'll I'll say some vague non spoilery things about season three and why I'm excited for the season. So I don't know if you follow the showrunners um, Frank Angonis and um, Matt Youngbird on Twitter, but Frank Frank especially is always teasing like how how connected this new version of DuckTales is to the Disney Universe shows, like the, or the Disney Afternoon. So shows like Darkwing Duck, Chippendale Rescue Rangers, the original DuckTales. Yeah, yeah. All, all of those exist in, in the new DuckTales universe. And in season three so far, they've, take, they've taken that um, and ramped it up to 11. Um, like one, like one of the new, one of the new episodes has Goofy as, um, as a guest star. Yeah. He, he's in his, uh, Goof Troop incarnation. Yep. Yeah. So yeah, I might not be caught up with the show, but since I have a, I like, I'm friends of a lot of people who watch it. I, I get the, uh, announcements and the fan excitement. So I understand um, and what's and what's special about about that like of that moment too is that this year um, marks the 25th anniversary of a Goofy movie. Um, and my buddy um, PJ Campbell is doing a watch along of that um, tomorrow night, which will probably already be out by the time this podcast is released. But that's that that movie, a Goofy movie, has has been one of like the staples of of my childhood something I watched like 
not not as often as as like the Disney Renaissance films, but mm-hmm. off, often enough that it it has a lot of nostalgia, and I'm looking forward to revisiting that again. I watched the movie recently, and for a movie that's set in the, the '90s, this movie ages surprisingly well. Like you would think it wouldn't, because it's like one of those little Disney side films and whatnot, but it stayed like it stands the test of time and it's weird how it does because you would think like, Oh, it has Polly Shore. It has more modern elements in it or at least nineties modern elements. And, but it's touching. There's like little cues from like certain characters and it, it just like, it's hard to explain unless you actually watch it. There's something about the film that makes it stand out from the rest and ages better than a lot of what Disney makes. So that should be a fun watch. You guys are making me want to watch it. I've never seen it in my life. I, I kind never? of wished I watched it today. I've never seen it. Me neither. I'm kind of wishing that we had watched that movie instead of Trolls. Jesus Christ. We'll, we'll, <laughs> we'll, we'll get there. We'll, we'll get there. Um. There's a, there's a couple a couple more things that I want to bring up before we get to the main event. Um, you know, an, an, another movie from my childhood that I've been seeing a, I've seen a lot of people watching recently. Um, the Prince of Egypt. You got yeah, you guys yeah. know that it's oh, yes. you know my favorite film of all time. Um, but some but something I discovered recently was. Um, on Spotify, I found the original cast recording for a stage production um, at the West End Theater in London. And I got to say, uh, the soundtrack for the musical might be just a touch better than <gasps> than uh, the film soundtrack. Does it have Let My People Go? Yep. Okay. Oh, my God. It, it, has, it has all all the like the classic songs from the movie except for um playing with the big boys which is kind of like it's been melded into the plagues oh no we're missing out on the steve martin Martin. <laughs> <laughs> yeah that, that's that, that's one i'm 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 glad they they could they could blend away i'm i'm good with that Dog. <laughs> uh, i'm not good with sarcasm but golly that song sticks out of that movie in a bad way it's I, I I love it because because it's so cheesy and over and over the top. Yeah, I actually like that song. The the one that I prefer not to listen to in the entire movie is "When You Believe." Yeah, that's that's my that's my least favorite, but I still like it in the context of the story. Oh, yeah, but it's still so van- vanilla compared when, to the when other. When does songs. that one come in? I don't I don't remember the titles of the songs. That, that's at the very end where all the Jews are. Is it leaving. right after um right after uh Ramsey's son dies and Moses goes to his sister and then she starts yes. singing? Yeah. Okay, I I know what you're talking about. Oh, that song. Yeah. Yeah. No. Uh, I'll always remember that just Back when I liked the Nostalgia Critic and he was comparing uh, 
the Ten Commandments with the Prince of Egypt. He was talking about that. It gets to that scene, and she goes, many nights we've prayed. And he goes, oh, my God, all the firstborns are dead. Can you kill it with the show tunes? <laughs> <laughs> One of the few jokes that ages well from that guy. Mm-hmm. Anyway, that's awesome. I mean, I don't think about it a whole lot, but Prince of Egypt might be DreamWorks' best overall movie. And... It, it's really good, people. Just if you haven't seen it, go see it. See it. It's, Just, it's on. It's on Hulu for for those wondering. Jesus Christ! I just typed in West and then E, and the second thing was West End Prince of Egypt. Oh wow! You yeah. got you got to link us the soundtrack like when, when all this is said and done. Um, I, I, I believe I posted it on on my wall a couple a couple days ago. Um, I gotta find it. Yeah, it's it's so it's so so good. Well, awesome. look into it. All right, I think I think uh, we've we've vamped we've vamped long enough. Time to get into the main event. So, in an unprecedented event, um, you know, due to the coronavirus, Universal. And DreamWorks opted to release Trolls World Tour uh, for the first time, skipping the theater and going straight to VOD. Um, I've seen the movie twice now because twenty bucks is way too much for a rental. And I get, I get why, I get why they need to do that, but still, I, I had to get my money's worth. 20 bucks is quite a lot and I don't blame you for watching it multiple times to make it worth it. Unless you have a family or you're going to set up a watch party where your friends can chip, like chip in five bucks or whatever. 20 bucks is demanding, especially like no matter the quality for trolls world tour. It's, it's a lot to, it's a lot to ask for. Mm-hmm. Yeah, they're they're expecting a lot out of those families. Like, you're like, oh my god, please, just if it'll shut them up, fine, we'll put on bright flashing lights. <laughs> oh man, I I can tell you like the movie. <laughs> who, who wants to go first? Because me and Chris will got a lot to say. Um. Well, first off, I've seen the first movie and. If everybody remembers, I talked about the first movie and how the teaser for it is quite possibly the worst teaser for an animated film out there. And that's saying something when you have Duck, Duck, Goose and Norma the North. Mm-hmm. Um, but the first film was able to elevate itself. I wouldn't call it one of DreamWorks' best. Maybe kind of hovers around the top 20 for them. But I liked the fact that a film that could have easily been super vapid tried to talk about happiness and just how you as an individual find it. And it had a lot of things I don't like about DreamWorks movies, like having a ton of characters that don't do anything, but they hire celebrities for them anyway. Like when Stefani's in the movie, at least in the first one, and she does nothing. She doesn't even have a line of dialogue but I guess she helps sing in some sequences. So 
Yeah, I, I literally don't remember Stefani at all from the first one. Yeah, me yeah, kind of reminds me of Kelly Clarkson in this movie. We'll get to that. Um, um, but I liked that aspect, and I liked like at the end when they're kind of like at their lowest moments, and it is just like it's a film that's saying only you can find your own happiness. You can't just rely on it. And there's a cool little thing that you do with the Bergens with, and it's not subtle because it's like, if we want to be happy, we have to eat these happy things so we can be happy. And I think that's very interesting from just a psychological standpoint, but like, it's a harmless movie. I, I, I don't have any vitriol towards it. Now the sequel, I'll just do a quick little, what I think about it. And then we'll go into detail. Um, after we hear from you, Mike, and y'all. I um, think, uh, go ahead. Okay. I it's it's been a while since I've seen the uh the first one. I was supposed to rewatch it over the weekend, but got caught up in, in other things. But yeah, no problem. I I'll I'll be honest, I think uh Trolls World Tour is for one, it carries the DreamWorks tradition of the number two entry being superior to the original. Yeah, that's so true. it's it's um, I don't know if it's on the same level as like Shrek Two or How to Train Your Dragon Two, but it's it, it it's probably about as good as like the Madagascar sequels. In like okay, in terms. Um, I, think, I think that's pretty accurate. I, yeah, it's not Kung Fu Panda 2 or How to Train Your Dragon 2 good. Oh, yeah. I do think there's a lot more going on that I'm, I'm sure we're going to talk about it. It's not that it's perfect or anything. It's not flawless. But all things considered with how they market this movie and its DreamWorks-isms, I still liked it. I watched it three times. So, oh, so you, so you have one more viewing over over me. Yeah, yeah. So I I technically enjoyed it, but I mean, the the year is still young. We'll have to see how if it stays in my top ten animated films of the year or not. Or, you know, we'll have to see what happens with what's going on right now. Of course. Yeah. Um. Well, we'll. I, I just have one more gen- general comment to say. Yeah, yeah. Um, I think I think above all else, one of the things I really like about this movie more than the original is there's more there's there's more original original music this time around. Like, yes, it's still a jukebox musical, and mm-hmm. um, yes, like the like like the medleys can get a little overstuffed. But when the, yeah. when the songs work, they they really work. I can agree to that. I I think that's very true. I, I'm just looking All over right. and I'm seeing Crystal like just recoiling. <laughs> <laughs> um, I right, have Josh. a very differing opinion. All right. All right. Um, so gen- general thoughts, you two. Well, I think they hit their target, and, like their target audience, which is definitely not people like me and Josh. It, it was very overwhelming. I almost admired it for the fact that the first, it felt like the first 30 minutes 
was like just barraging any viewers where it's like, look, this is what the movie is going to be like. If you are not on board, you can bow out right now. And I wanted so badly to bow out. (laughs) I, I, I needed two Mike's Hard Lemonades to get through it. And it was, it, it kind of made all the difference because I started to sit back and just be like, all right, I'm along for the ride. And initial thoughts, it is, eh, I, I have a lot more negative things to say about it, but on the whole, you're right. It's It's harmless. You can show this to your kid. If I were to describe it, I remember a while back, I think I mentioned it before, but a friend of mine on, on Facebook named Jackson Shrout, he um, he talked about the Despicable Me series, like the, or no, the, the Blue Sky animation box set that didn't include the Peanuts movie because it wasn't out yet. And he said, this is a great thing to buy for your family, especially for your kids while you're busy cheating on their mom. Ouch! Ouch! Is this was not for me? This movie, this movie frustrated me, but it's harmless, and I'm more frustrated because there's good ideas in the movie. Yep. You know, I I cannot say that this is this that this was a bad movie. It was not at all a bad movie. It just mm-hmm. wasn't for me at all. I, I I found myself the entire time praying and wishing that I had been born in 1998 rather than 2002 so that I could at least have something to get me through it. Well, I understand that. It, the first part of this movie is not paced the best. No. So it, it was it, 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 yes, it was definitely overwhelming to a degree, and it doesn't help that the first musical sequence is big, flashy lights, and they're playing the Daft Punk song, and it, it's a lot to take in at first. Yeah, definitely. But I, I will say, I will say that they definitely upped the animation from the last movie. Absolutely, oh. the animation was so crisp and clean. I wanted it to be good, to be good so badly. You know what it reminded me of? It reminded me of the the video game uh, Yoshi's Woolly World or something like that. Yeah. Oh yeah, yeah. Huh. Just how, how little things here and there, like the clouds, they they looked like they were actually made of cotton, and the world had this velvety feel to it. Like it felt like a very cozy world. But I yeah just... I, I I said something in my letterbox review that like, um, in in terms of the animation style that they they really they really wear their like stop motion like like velvet uh, storybook influences like proudly on their sleeves. Oh yeah, like like that um, that chase scene um, when they're when they're breaking out breaking out of the um, like the country. Uh, yeah, the, the country, country town oh, uh, prison. Yeah. yeah, they were really showing off. But that, in yeah. a good way. Like, yeah. That, yeah that, like, that nice. I, I, I watched that sequence and I'm like and I was like reminded instantly of um of like the works of Nick Park and um like the like the Wallace and Gromit 
style of uh yeah, of like I how how they do their uh like action sequences yeah the, the one thing that reminded me the most of was uh the lego movie yes yeah like they they, yeah. they have they have like that similar like sort of like pseudo stop motion style yeah yeah mm-hmm. it, no i Funny you bring up the Lego movie because that's my biggest problem with this movie. It's just the writing. Yeah. Well, I will say, like, they, they do land some of the comedy. It, like, the writing isn't terrible. Mm-hmm. But it could when, be when, better. When the, when, the joke, when the jokes hit, for, for me at least, they hit bullseyes. Yeah. I will, I will, I will give it that. Like there was one joke at the very end when, uh, oh, spoilers, uh, Justin Timberlake's troll. I don't remember his name. I think it was Branch or something. Yeah, mm-hmm. that's Justin Timberlake. Yeah. Oh my god. <laughs> uh, he, uh, you know, they they turn him into a rock zombie, and he he says, uh, uh, who 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 wants to go get tattoos on their body but not on their face in case they want to work an office job? <laughs> <laughs> that that joke had like had me cackling. Yeah, I will say for a comedy, I don't think this movie should be labeled as one, or I guess I wouldn't label it as such. I feel like it focused more on the drama aspect of it all. Like, like I don't know. I I don't think a lot of the jokes hit for me, but I that was a very funny joke. And even though they showed it off in the trailer, I still love when they sneak behind the stage of the rock trolls at the end. And and then, like, I don't need to explain the joke. They, you see it in the trailer. Um, but it's, it, like, yeah, I think when it hits, it hits. But when it falls flat, it's kind of like how I felt about Smallfoot from uh, two years ago. Because it's like, I wouldn't really call that film a comedy. And only a few jokes land for me in that film because it's you, know, you know what this movie and smallfoot have in common what? they both have they both have like um rap songs that sort of that that change like the narrative of of what what we knew before oh that's right let it lie yeah yep oh man i and i let it I let it lie is one is like probably one of my favorite songs from that movie and I kind I kind of like um, I I think the track is called "All Is Love" um, in this in this movie. Yeah, because it because it, it just it does it it has that similar um, like that similar vibe. Yeah, no, it does. Um, because I I found myself getting slightly more invested with the drama in the story of World Tour and. It's not like there weren't like a lot of jokes to laugh at. It, it just like to me that wasn't the focus of the film, or at least it, to me it feels like this. It wanted to be more story focused and such. Um, and like I liked the themes that the story has. You can take a lot from it, and I think this is why it's connecting with a lot of people because of what you find out with these uh, musical strings and just how the, you hear the dialogue and the rap sequence when they meet the funk trolls. And I missed this the first time because I was like, oh, it's just kind of saying what actually happened. But then you listen to the lyrics 
and I was caught off guard by what they were saying. And it's like, is Trolls World Tour talking about um, cultural appropriation? Yeah, cultural appropriation and like colonialism and like, and then it's like, even on like surface level, you can take it as like pop music has taken over actual music because you, when's the last time you heard a rock song on the, like on the music charts, unless you go to a specific rock station and, or just like Mm -hmm. anything else or like, like country that's not like bro country and all that jazz. Um, It's, it's a film that aims high and I admire it for that because they could have easily just made this another jukebox musical. And I admire that they went further than they really had to. Yeah. That's, that that's the thing about this movie that um pe- people who are calling it a cash grab i i i i not only don't agree but i i just don't think they were paying attention to you know some of the deeper themes that that lie in this movie like the like the problems that i have and believe me we will get there oh, yeah. um the the problems lie more in execution than um, than the ideas themselves, because you know the the, the the themes they're going for are you know really strong, and I think I I think this is a movie that um that does a better job at edu- educating um educating like children than mm-hmm. actual edutainment from you know when we were kids. Like I, I would feel much, I would feel much better about showing kids this movie in school than, than any of those like dumb after school specials. Oh, yeah. yeah, yeah, I would say that's a good idea. And um, though I will say, this movie does have a couple of background gags that, like, if you if you're not paying attention, are surprisingly dark. Like when they're in the country town area you'll see a bunch of those uh, cow-like creatures going behind a barbecue store. Oh, they, yeah. They I, do I, not, <laughs> you do not see them go across the other side. Oh, my and God! <laughs> and then it's like you see a troll walk out, and he's holding a plate of burgers. Oh, and... no! <laughs> like... This, this movie goes places and it's weird. And I don't think it goes as far as like the angry birds movie too does in terms of like, let's push the envelope in some kind of way. But I, res- I love little scenes like that. And there's a sequence in the opening when you meet the, uh, uh, techno trolls, the, the mermaid trolls. Um, and there's a, like after, uh, Rachel Bloom's character, uh, wrecks the stage area. The kingdom techno trolls is like, please, like, don't hurt us. We've worked very hard to build this identity of ours, and it's like, is this like an LGBT thing? And because you can, that's how I took it. Because it's like it's like I said, the writing has moments that like have something deeper than what they're saying but that's just me yeah i can see it 
I'm, I'm not saying this is like great. I'm not saying this is like Pete Doctor talking about Inside <laughs> Out or Up. But for all things considered, with Trolls World Tour, it's wild where it goes with some of the with some of the dialogue. Also, also Rachel Bloom as as Queen Barb is probably one of the best characters. If we're I, talking the best character, I think Sam Rockwell stole the show for me. Oh yeah, definitely. He's he he's like it, it, it fluctuates between him and and uh, Queen Barb. Yeah, Sam Rockwell in his ever going journey of being uh, typecasted as a as a southern individual. Um, but but he also has a German accent. Yeah, yes. that, that's true. Okay, uh, yeah. Should we talk about? Some slightly more spoilery stuff, or I um, was under the impression this was gonna be this was gonna be an, a complete spoiler discussion anyway. Okay. So, so yeah, the gloves are off. I think that was. I mean, you could see this kind of coming a mile away, but I did like how they handled Sam Rockwell's character as you first meet him as Hickory, um, the country troll, um. And then you find out he's one of the Yodler trolls along with his cohort. And yeah, I, I think Sam Rockwell steals the show a little bit. And I like that he's not just like a super reluctant bounty hunter. Like I think there is like a slight change in character. You just I think there's a it's 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 kind of like the uh the boat captain from Klaus. There's something that happens with that character. And it, it's a very kind of blinking you miss it kind of turn for him. I think that's happened with trolls um, with his character. Yeah, I I, I like that. Um, it like it was never revealed that he was like he was like always evil. Yeah, I mean he was he's a bounty hunter, but at the end of the day, he just he just wants to keep his his music alive. Like he I just said, wants to pre- preserve. Yeah, go ahead. He just wants to preserve his culture. That's it. Well, that's what I'm thinking. It's like, like you could. That, that's what I like about this movie. It's just these people. They're not fighting to conquer the world. It's well, Queen Barb Ex- is. Yeah, but, except for the. Yeah, <laughs> except for her. Yeah. Um, but it's like everyone. It's just like I just want to survive, and I don't want you to just take away what makes us us, and. I, I think that's smart because they could have easily made this very black and white, very Disney Pocahontas, um, but they didn't. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, go ahead. No, no, I wasn't going to say anything. I'm just thinking right now. Um, though, I will say one of my problems, and this is mostly a DreamWorks problem, I don't care about these side characters. I'm I give kudos that they give Ron Funches and James Corden's character a little more to do. But everyone else, they don't do a whole lot or they do nothing to the story. You basically get Tiny Diamond as this like this gag of how we find out about how trolls are born. Because you know, educational. Um, I was very confused about that. And I was surprised to find out that Keenan Thompson was Tiny Diamond. 
So now knowing, I, I I recognize him like immediately. It took me until like watching the actual movie to find out that was him. I was like, oh, who is this? And it's like, oh, 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 duh, duh. <laughs> um, because he has a very distinct tone. Um, and understandably, Ozzy Osbourne is going through some very health related issues right now. Oh yeah. But I. Uh, I don't know, because I understand why they used his music and they got him as uh, Queen Barb's dad. Well, you could have taken him out. I mean, not 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 like take the character out, but you could have gotten someone else because he only has a few lines and doesn't really do a whole lot. And it, it's my problem with DreamWorks in general when they do this. They introduce a bunch of side characters that they're not going to do anything for the movie or not a whole lot. But you know, you'll see them in the TV series. And it's and it bugs me a little when they do that because there's a new troll, pop troll, named Leg Legsley, the uh, troll that can extend her legs for some reason. Which is weird. They don't do anything with her. She does nothing. So what was the point of that character? And, like, the... And like you don't see Gwen Stefani's troll character. I I don't know why they they couldn't get her back, but I guess they had too many you know pointless characters. Um, and it's it's disappointing, and that's how I kind of feel about some of the other troll characters that we meet, like Kelly Clarkson. First off, I don't know if I would have gone her to be the country singer. But I, then I thought it, it was Shania Twain. <laughs> I, would, I, I almost thought it was um, Casey Muxgrave at first, but I'm like, that can't be right. No, and I get it. Like, Kelly Clarkson is a hot commodity right now. She has her own talk show. She's on The Voice. She was a guest judge on a quickfire challenge on Top Chef. I get it. But I guess what we're trying to say here is that all country singers sound exactly the same. Well, I didn't know... <laughs> I didn't want to say because I was just like, okay, who would have who would have I gotten? And I was just like, um, I gotta find out about more female country singers that are not Reba McIntyre or Dolly Parton. <laughs> I was half joking, but I actually would have preferred if it was Casey Musgraves. <laughs> <laughs> and and it's not like she does a bad job. I I'm just not fully convinced of her acting skills, and. I mean, like, she does what she can. She has a great personality. But you don't see her character a whole lot. And then she just kind of vanishes for most of the movie. And the same can be said about a lot of, like, the bounty hunter characters. Like, the smooth jazz troll with probably the best weird sequence of the movie. (laughs) Yeah. Um, um, But then he vanishes and you don't see him until the end. And I like jazz music. I even like the cheesy like smooth jazz stuff same i feel bad that he still kind of gets like as the he's the butt of the joke of the yeah music. i mean smooth jazz isn't that bad sebastian would be just absolutely like frustrated with jazz's portrayal in this movie you, you do not want to show this to damien chazelle or ryan gosling <laughs> yeah <laughs> that's another thing that i had a problem with the movie with like th- their whole message is like oh we're all the same but we're all different and it's okay but jazz pff, 
Screw them. Rock and roll people? Ah, they're, they're all nasty devil worshippers. <laughs> for me, the movie felt like the... It felt like the, the equivalent of like a, a, a pastor saying, rock and roll is the devil's music and it's going to corrupt the land. Yeah, I, I get why they chose like hard rock and such. And I'd be lying. Um, I would be lying if I said I didn't enjoy Rocky Like a Hurricane and Crazy Train and such. Um, I loved those song choices, but that's just me. I'm very old school with my rock and roll. No, um, I agree. The the, but, the song choices were were actually pretty great. I'm I'm glad they they even included Barracuda because that song is awesome. Yeah. Um. Well, and I finally found out about the lyrics to Crazy Train because I was I was just like, what's what are the lyrics to that song? And I'm just like, oh, okay, yeah, obvious. Um. <laughs> but the music selection in this one was like good, but that first sequence when like they do the uh girls just want to have fun cover with you know trolls they um, they, they they really over overstuffed that that sequence that and um the the second medley and when they were in the country town oh uh, yeah i i get it they chose terrible pop songs and i that's the joke um because you like some like who let the dog out ironically um but that moment, that sequence was is too much. It's kind of like when Sony Pictures Animation, when they speed up their animation, like they speed up the comedy and the movements, it's too much. And Trolls World Tour, for better or worse, does this quite a lot. Yeah, Josh can attest to this. When that scene came up, I retracted into my sweater. She turned into a turtle for a second. She was just like, oh my god, please let me know when they stop singing. And it's, and it's not like like the music selection is bad or like the singing is bad. It is terrible. Like Sam Rockwell sings his own songs. and But then it's like you get the sequence when the K-pop trolls and the reggaeton trolls Go, go against one another. And that, that was a little much, even though it wasn't as bad as the country trolls or the opening sequence. And by the way, this is a world you really can't break apart. Not because it's like, oh, it's deeper than you think. No, it's just don't think too hard about it. Because- yeah, for, for, for example, something Cameron and I talked about um, off, off the air. Think, think about... Um, the existence of K-pop in this world, and then think about think about yeah. Th- does this world ha- does this world have a Korea? Yeah, and that means there's it was a more frustrating that the K-pop trolls sounded American. I yeah, hmm. and and then the 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 reggaeton uh, trolls. I was just confused what reggaeton was for a second because my my brain farted out oh my for a god, second. You are such a coconut. Oh my god! You you amaze me every single day with how much of a coconut you are. We live on the border. I blanked out for a second, but the way they were dressed made them look like they were Jamaican, <laughs> and then suddenly they're speaking Spanish. Which that's another thing. Like there's got to be a Mexico in this in this world. Oh, that name. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> no, well, I mean, like I said, you can't think too hard about that or else everything just falls apart. Um, 
But let's talk about the worst problem in the movie, or at least to me, the worst problem. What is your worst problem? Uh, yeah, let's talk about Branch. <laughs> Bra- Branch, <laughs> I. No, let, let I'll, um, I'll get this done quickly. Yeah, I, go, like, go ahead, because I, I, ha- I have a few things to add to your point. All right. First off, from the first film, I liked how they handled Branch. He wasn't just a grump with like, oh, I don't like parties and music and glitter. He had, no. he had a chip on his shoulder. No, yeah, but he had a practical reason to because if they, because what we see in the first movie, that loud pop music dancing stuff let, let a bird, bird into them and they got captured. And it's like, yeah, you you want to hide from these giants that then turns the film into Attack on Titan. Um, <laughs> oh my god! <laughs> um, and then it's like, like he, like he was a better male lead than you would think he was. But then they do what seems like a trend right now in animated sequels. He doesn't get a whole lot of a story. His story wrapped up in the first movie. So then he gets a, oh, I want to tell the female lead I love her, but I don't know how. It's the, it's the same problem we've seen with uh, Ralph Breaks the Internet, where Ralph regressed as a character. The same with Kristoff. And I know, Mike, you have something to say about that, and I agree with it. Um, And now it happens here where... Um, most of the story should and does focus on Poppy, but it doesn't really give anything to Branch as a character. There's, he doesn't really have anything outside of, I want to tell her I love her, but I don't know how. And I'm not saying you can take him out and not miss anything. You kind of have to have him in there to call out Poppy. But I wish his character was handled better. Yeah, definitely. And something that I noticed that I forgot, they kind of reused his before I found my true colors uh, look. So he Yeah! Has the, yeah, I, I was he, confused by that. He has the black hair and instead of the blue hair. And I'm wondering why that is. And I don't know if I'm missing something or... It, it it's probably just the lighting because there are some scenes where he is, you know, his true colors. When when it's more like when it's in a more brighter setting, but yeah. a lot of his scenes take place either at night or they're, um, you know, or, like yeah. in, in dark in dark places, which is why which is why it looks like he's more like. Which is why it looks like he's literally regressed to his original state. I saw the hints of blue from time to time, but I, I just found it weird because it just didn't make a whole lot of sense to me. Yeah, you can't even make that argument because, I mean, in the first movie, there was a clear difference between how he was before and then after. Yeah, so, uh, but that says me. I think Branch gets the shortest end of the of the branch, <laughs> yeah. yes. Um, <laughs> but that's just how I feel. Okay, so 
both both Branch and Kristoff have like the same problems in terms of how how little they get they how you know yeah how low their arcs are yeah but what set what sets them apart um Kristoff gets lost in the woods which is one of the best songs of the Frozen 2 soundtrack that's not that's not sung by Adina Menzel Backstreet's back and it is all right <laughs> whereas Branch gets one of my least favorite scenes in this movie which is the breakup scene Ugh, I yeah. it, it's 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 one of my pet peeves in in like family films when they have to have like the forced breakup just for the sake of advancing the plot yeah and but with this but with this movie specifically it it but it bugged me um because Brant, branch was all, was already like basically just reduced to hey i'm just going to support i'm just going to support you and and uh i'm i'm just there to be your support system right but also but also his arc was pretty much I want to tell her I love her, but I don't know how. And then she's going to do something stupid. Because there, there's like a lot of good scenes between her, uh, Poppy and Branch. Like I like the uh, sequence during the the uh, country troll visit when they're listening to uh, the Born to Die sequence. Um, and it's Which like I don't understand why on earth did they just waltz into town. Dark. But it's not that dark. Johnny Cash talked to he sang a song where he basically did cocaine and killed his woman and then ran to Mexico. So country's insane, okay? Charlie Charlie Parker almost got decapitated because of a symbol. Music is intense, Crystal, and country is even more intense. It's that it's that drunk uncle that you have. <laughs> Anyway, there's a scene. There's a scene I like uh, where it, it's just like, well, the song, the the song is kind of sad, but sometimes life is sad, and it kind of hits off at the point of like, Poppy's not listening, and I and there's like moments like that, but there's not enough moments like that. So Branch does get relegated to the side character thing, and um, another another problem I picked up in my second viewing was um, I, I wish I, I wish that Poppy um, how, how should I put this? So in, so in, so in the rap, in the rap song, when they reveal the truth about what happened to the strings, that it was like the, like the pop troll who wanted to, you know, take all the strings. I, I kind I kind of wish that, Poppy took a little bit more responsibility and like that's when she started listening more as opposed to you know waiting waiting until the breakup scene to li- um, yeah there's no there's not a lot whole lot of depth to her story even though there's there's something there it's just yeah. not it just out. didn't execute it well yeah and there's a few other elements I wish they could have expanded upon like uh like Ron Funch's character gets a little more spotlight and he finds out that he's a funk troll and 
you find out that they defunct trolls travel around or I guess live in a UFO. And I kind of wanted there to be a little more to him and his story arc, but they kind of drop it once he reunites with his parents and his twin brother. Yeah, there there yeah. there, there could have been a, a little more um a little more to add to that to that plot because I was I was actually really invested in um yeah, I'd much rather watch a movie family. about him than than Poppy and Branch. I, I I enjoyed watching those scenes more than the entire movie. Yeah, and like Ron Funches can be great, and if you watch Harley Quinn, he is just the best, or I, I, one of the best. I, I I love his version of King Shark so much. Yeah, King, <laughs> his portrayal of King Shark is great, and it's just again some of these side characters just don't have a lot to them, even though they try to give them more. And then it's like, oh, well, there's going to be a TV series, so you can expand on them there. And it's like, okay, that's fine, but I, I'm watching the movie. I want to know or invest more into them. And then it's like, I, I guess a, a, a nitpick, why were the country trolls so hostile? Did they... Um, was it because of the whole the pop troll uh, betrayal, or did they already get like invaded by the rock trolls? It's because okay. cowboys. I I mean I get it, and uh, um, but I I don't I, I I guess it's just that's just a nitpick for me. So um, I will say the uh, the little glowworm thing that. Uh, James Corden's character carries around. Mr. Dickles. Yeah, Mr. Dickles. He has a death wish. <laughs> oh. I don't know if um, anybody like how I, much. I probably should have pointed this out, but um the same the same writers who worked on this film also did um the SpongeBob movie, Sponge Out of Water. And oh, and the sense. um the sequel, Sponge on the Run. So when I saw when I saw uh, Mr. Dinkle's um, hallucination, I was immediately thinking about uh, like the like the trippy sequences in Sponge Out of Water. <laughs> yeah, I I could see. Yeah, that makes a whole yeah. lot of. Sense. I mean, it's funny. It's it kind of feels weirdly placed in the movie, and it's just like, okay, so has he been suffering this whole time by being in? <laughs> And I mean, it's funny because it's like he's about to go see the glow worm in the sky, and it's like, "Welcome home, son!" And then he gets brought back to life, and he's hugely disappointed by it. Um, <laughs> and then at the end, when they're doing the dance credits, um, he goes into the coffin <laughs> to hope that he gets, you know. <laughs> okay, we missed that. Like as yeah. soon as the credits started rolling, you're like, "Oh, thank God!" Um, oh, there's a great mid-credit scene where you see the uh, the smaller Bergens from the first movie. Uh, they, oh, yeah, they they, they they show up at the last minute. Like, they're like, we oh, look, we, yeah, oh, it looks like we missed the party. And then the prince is like, "Oh, balls!" And it's like, "Oh my God!" It's like, "Who's going to have my cheese balls?" <laughs> <laughs> it's, a, it's, a, it's a dumb joke, but I God, I love it. That, that 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 kind of dumb humor is exactly exactly why I love movie movies like this. 
that, yeah. like, that just kind of revel in in stupid humor like that. Yeah. I, I think it's just like a lot of this frustration with trolls, I think could be like it's like uh illumination still thing it's almost there it just needed a little tweak here and there and maybe just a little more of a rewrite um of just like how some of the characters are treated because a lot of this could have been fixed i yeah at the end of the day i would rather be frustrated by a movie that almost gets there than a movie that doesn't even try yeah, yeah, I think that that's correct. I think I'd rather be frustrated at a movie that reaches but doesn't land than doesn't even bother. So It's funny you mentioned that because, okay, my biggest problem with the movie is just, it, well, it's a lot of things. I, I mentioned before the writing, but it's it's more that I see two sources that the movie is trying to be while also being its own thing and it i think i think i know where you're going with this but it doesn't hit it just right it does not hit clear uh we you mentioned the lego movie before and i just i i see that it's trying to be the lego movie in 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 its in its execution with its random adult humor that just works because you know that there's someone there that put the effort in that and visual gags that are blinking you'll miss them but they're brilliant also and just an overall bigger story about you, you know identity about about music about all that i actually didn't mind the message but it's just it focuses too much on being random and loud for its own good like it's worrying it's getting too heady for kids and then on top of that and i think you might know where i'm getting with this but very recently uh i watched the spongebob movie the, the first the, the first one yeah, the, the very first one, first one. okay and okay I, I will say real quick i watched it with him dying the entire time i was dying and Josh was too. That that's the best thing about it. And, and the, the thing of it is, I was in a very unique position with Trolls World Tour because I didn't see the first movie. And Crystal explained to me what was going on with Branch in the first movie. And oh my god, that sounds like a really dark idea to center your main character around. I see what you mean now about yeah. Branch's story, like really not amounting to much in this one. Yeah, I mean, even granted the execution in the first film of like his tragic backstory. To be fair, I kind of laughed when you find out what exactly happened that made him a sourpuss. Um, because, but why uh, can't you have fun? My grandma died because of me. <laughs> I killed my grandma. <laughs> Jesus Christ! <laughs> How could you laugh? <laughs> but it. But it's like at least. But it at least um, gives his character, like, agency of, like, why he acts like he does. And uh, with this movie, I have a bigger problem with that, that Spongebob Remedies, because I imagine there were a lot of parents, a lot of people that probably went into the Spongebob movie. They may have heard of Spongebob, but they went into it completely blind. Yeah. All I know is this guy's a sponge. They're underwater. There's fish everywhere. Bam. And the writers do their hardest to make you not only 
understand all the jokes that are happening where it makes sense in the world, as weird as it sounds. Because that's one thing that struck me. The humor in that movie works so well. Bald! Bald! <laughs> My eyes! Bald. <laughs> but, <laughs> but if you had never seen an episode of Spongebob, and you're just going off of these characters, you 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 would love them right away. SpongeBob is so endearing. Patrick as like the support system, he's also very endearing. You, you get everybody's character to a T. You like them, and even if you don't like them, you still like them. Mm-hmm. Right, right. And with this one, you know, also SpongeBob has a whole bunch of jokes about death and getting drunk but that's beside the point uh (laughs) trolls world tour my my biggest problem that i had was that i did not care for most of the characters i had three characters i cared for and that was the the long uh uh, leg troll that goes to look for his uh for other people that are like him uh sam rockwell's character who turns out to be a yodeler yeah. And this is a weird one, but um the little woodwind that oh, stays yeah, the behind. Flute. <laughs> oh pe- penny whistle. And then as oh. soon as they leave the camera pans away and the little pebble he spent so long putting up balls on his that that I I was like, oh my god, that thing's adorable. I want one. But I did not I did not like uh uh the main troll lady. She Yeah, Poppy. Poppy Poppy was so frustrating as a character just because it wasn't even just that she wasn't listening. It it was She she remind she makes me think this is why I bring up SpongeBob. She makes me think of what people think SpongeBob is like for people that don't watch SpongeBob. Just loud, unendearing happiness with no personality no behind depth. it. No depth. I'll, I'll I'll be honest, if she wasn't voiced if she wasn't voiced by Anna Kendrick, I would I I would be a little bit more critical, but you know. I, I I'm a little bit biased, so Anna no Kendrick earns no sympathy for me for just because of the Pitch Perfect sequels and that one Disney movie that she did earlier this year that I, oh, I got no- frustrated by. Yeah, Noel. Oh god, I, I could not bring myself to like that one. I can understand Poppy being like a frustrating character because we've had a few movies like this past decade where they took the optimistic happy character and then like expanded upon them like with hope from inside out like hope and, or, or, or emmett from the lego movie yeah so it, or, it, Pad- or paddington or paddington oh. which i still need to see oh uh, those two movies are great anyway um but yeah uh fun fact about the little flute from the classical music trolls um, she's voiced by the um, actress who voices Ruby and Steven Universe. Um, oh my god! Yeah, so <laughs> I, I instantly picked up who that was. And as much as I like this film's kind of like multimedia look, I wish it could kind of commit to one or the other. 
because the flute moves like it's stop motion. And yeah. but the trolls do not. And then there are like sequences like when uh James Corden's character is getting chased. It does kind of like a really different, like shaky cam kind of look. Like when Oh they- yeah, where it's locked onto him like he's Harvey Keitel in Mean Streets. Yes. And I I think it's like and it's like either commit to the get to the uh, animation style or just make it CG play with the CG rules and such because in two weeks we're getting a film called The Willoughby's, which looks great. Um and it goes it's CGI, but it's fully commits to the Lego movie style of stop motion. And it's not distracting. It was fairly distracting for me for a Trolls World Tour because you can tell the frame rate kind of drops and you can tell that the characters or like the big rock tour animals move differently than everyone else. Yeah. And the, 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 scene, the scene with Penny Whistle is the only time that like I really noticed like a sharp contrast between, between two characters with two distinct uh, like animation styles in the yeah. same scene. But I don't. I don't think I had that problem for the rest of the film. It, it, it's just something I noticed. Yeah, um, th- there was one shot in particular where it's it's at the very end where I think it's a shot of the the funk. Yeah, the funk trolls. Yeah, the funk trolls. The the queen and the king and queen, and it's looking past them. She uh, like. The queen is in the foreground, and then you can see all the other trolls in the background, like the audience. Yeah. And I swear to God, the audience was not moving at all. There were slight movements, but yeah, if you aren't like looking at the background, you'd you'd argue that they're not moving, or they're like the video game kind of thing. Where yeah, it, it felt very cheap. Which is um, weird because this movie, like, like I said, like with the velvety feel of it, it's so rich to look at. There's so much detail in it. Yeah, and something that kind of, that this is also a nitpick, but it's just a thing in general I don't like about big budget Hollywood animated films is the the casting, like, like we like we already talked about Kelly Clarkson. But they had George Clinton and Mary J. Blige as the funk king and queen, and I, I, I do, I do like though that they got George Clinton to play to play the oh, dad. Yeah. Even, even though I, I agree with your larger point that um, DreamWorks of all of all the studios is is the worst when it comes to celebrity voice casts. Yeah, and. They do this a lot in this movie. They'll have the like a, a celebrity pop in for like two minutes or like two lines, and then they are never seen again. And you would not know that that was them. And it works differently than a cameo in like a comedy or something. Like there's a difference between a cameo in Trolls World Tour and a cameo in something like Last Action Hero. Like there's it's it's all in the execution. And it's also the fact that you're not seeing the char- the actors in an animated film. You're hearing their voice. And when you're not giving them a like a good line or something, 
it's just like you could have just gotten a voice actor for that role. And they, they do that a lot. And I just, I, I don't like the celebrity casting in this movie. Well, yeah, I like it, but it doesn't, it doesn't, uh, it doesn't help with a joke at all. Like, I'm sorry, I keep bringing it up, but like the Lego movie, how like, or at least in the sequel, as far as I know, like in the sequel, they actually get Gal Gadot, I think, and Jason Momoa to play Lego Aquaman. Yeah, they do. And, and all that. <laughs> and that that's one of those like, hey, even if you don't know it, it's still funny. And when you do look into it, it's funnier. Yeah. Like, oh, wow, they really brought him on just to like say a few lines. You know, you know, Josh, you keep you keep bringing up the Lego movie. Um and something I should point out that Mike Mitchell, the direct the director for the first Trolls, actually directed the Lego sequel. Really? Oh yeah. wow! So that's you know, right. I thought Raphael like, the, 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 connect, was doing. the connection is there. Yeah. Oh, and I'm just gonna say this: I did not get the point of the the McElroy brothers appearing in the movie. I know there's that whole joke of them being like, let's ride or die and get into Trolls World Tour. But unless you know who they are, it's an, I, I don't care. I don't care who they are. I don't think the joke that they're in the movie is funny. Who are they? I think it's like a group of, like a podcasting group, I think. Uh, but I'm not entirely sure. But it was just like, it was this whole thing where they were, they were just like, man, we want to be in this movie. Um, the, the, their their credit um, on Wikipedia is skyscraper. Yeah, well, they're in, they're in there a couple times. They're the skyscraper troll. One of them is the techno beep button that's like that gets yep. off of being pressed. That's that's just. Oh yeah, <laughs> that was weird. Weird, like. I was not ready for that. I, I thought, oh, I'm on board for weird humor like this. And then it just drops. Yeah. And um, then they appear as like the, the rock tier and the country tier. The uh, the little tiers that go down the side of the face and such. And I, 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 uh, I don't know. Maybe I'm just too old school. It's just like to me, just get voice actors. Zootopia did it. Wreck-It Ralph did it. Just get Aaron Hansen. <laughs> no, no. If, if you're going for YouTubers, go for go for like a YouTuber voice actors. If that's the case, get Aaron Hansen, Brock Baker, yeah, Marlon North. <laughs> yeah, or it's um, and I think one of them appears in the country area where as the uh, as the uh, what are they call tumbleweeds. Like when they do the whole pop thing, it's like you see, you hear, it's all quiet. You see in the background, and then it's like at the last second, you suck. And <laughs> oh, I think that's one of them also, but I'm not sure. Though I will say, I I did I do give them kudos that the the director Walt uh, Dorn replaced uh, King Poppy's I mean Queen Poppy's uh, dad, who was previously played by Jeffrey Tambor. And I think he does a better job as Poppy's dad. But yeah, I I agree. I again, I I remember next to nothing about um um it's Poppy's Jeffrey dad Tom. from the first one. Yeah, at least he has like a little more 
too like a little more to say and such, but uh, but yeah, and I think I just ran out of stuff to talk about with Trolls World Tour. <laughs> I All right. Well, I, I guess bring that I, up. I guess that'll um. Well, I have something to say real quick. Oh yeah, go All ahead. Right, go ahead. Uh, I will say, however, like the movie is good, but. My biggest gripe with it is that it's something that DreamWorks is really good at, but it's just absent here. They're so good at marketing towards both kids and adults. When it comes to, you know, Shrek and uh, How to Train Your Dragon, Kung Fu Panda, those movies hit so well because they're so entertaining to kids and adults. This movie is just not that at all. Yeah, I think overall, like, I think kids will like it. I think parents will have a tougher time sitting through the, like, overabundance part. But see, that, that's the thing that sucks about it, because, you know, these movies are, you know, they're supposed to bring families together. Then something that everybody can, you know, be entertained by. But this is only for kids. Yeah, I I agree. and And that's not a bad thing, of course, but it's also all, like... I, I talk about this a lot. Like when, if you're going to make a comedy, you're going to make like a family film comedy. That's fine. But if you're not going to go the distance, I'll find another movie that, that will. And that's tough because a lot of the animated stuff we get are comedies. And when there's a better comedy, I'm going to go to that better comedy. Yeah. So, but that's just me. That's that's just me. It, it it it's admirable that DreamWorks has their new moneymaker now that Shrek is basically that that bloodstone has been squeezed dry for all it's worth. <laughs> Even though I would be down for a Puss in Boots sequel. Actually, I wouldn't mind that. But yeah, that sounds like a good idea. <laughs> which Crystal hasn't seen Puss in Boots yet. I think I have. Just a long time ago. But you might like that one. I, I I'd recommend it. It really, I I appreciate the fact that DreamWorks has a money maker that can keep the lights on while they're under Universal's arm, and Universal is kind of hit or miss when it comes to quality. I think. Yeah. But it, it especially sucks that during that universal acquisition we lost movies that were that could have been done by del toro and edgar wright but yeah i'm 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 still sad about uh me and my shadow which i saw the test footage for that a while back oh Oh, my god yeah but you know what if if this keeps dreamworks from going under I'll 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 suck it up. I'll grit and bear it if it means we're getting something else like I don't know, like How to Train Your Dragon or even Abominable, which I didn't see, but I at least was curious enough about it. I think you dig you would dig Abominable. It's it, it Ab- Abom- Abominable is really good. Yeah, uh, it doesn't have the best marketing. Just don't base it off the trailer that you see and the bad blueberry joke. You'll see what I mean when you see the trailer. Um, but that one's actually pretty good. DreamWorks is a frustrating company because when they make a really good movie, it's really good. And sometimes it's better than what Pixar and Disney puts out during that time period. 
Oh, oh absolutely. There and, are you know, I'm, I'm starting to see what, what you mean. Like, it's really frustrating. You were saying earlier how they, they're starting to make like these side characters that nobody cares about, but they're trying to shove in your face so hard. I I'm re realizing it's in How to Train Your Dragon 3 and Kung Fu Panda 3. The yeah, same thing are, is in there. Yeah. And it, it's like they have a mindset of we're going to make a movie and we're going to make a TV show based off of it. Before, yeah, they they literally it, did make. It's almost the cart before before the horse uh, syndrome. Yeah, and it's like, and even though you could blame a lot of the issues that they had with Jeffrey Katzenberg, he's no longer around. There's no like scapegoat for them, and it's a frust. It's sad because they used to be pretty good with experimenting, like the Madagascar films were a good experimentation in comedy. And the second one, especially to me, is very, very funny. Um, and then they had stuff like Rise, uh, Rise of the Guardians, which was very, like, it could have used another work, like, run through the script, but, yeah, was, but it was definitely very creative and very dark for what they do. And, and then just, but seeing that their upcoming films are like the crudes too, whenever that's coming out, the boss baby too, a, a spirit writing free movie, which is based off of the Netflix series, which is interesting. Yeah. That's okay. I guess. And then it's like, Oh, but then there's the bad guys, which if you look up the source material about the books, it looks like it could be really good, but it's always like a gamble with a DreamWorks film, and I don't like saying that about a lot of these other studios, because I don't like saying, like, Disney and Pixar are usually a home run with their animated stuff. It's always a little, like, I always kind of hesitate when it's like, I step into a theater, I get a ticket for a Blue Sky, an Illumination film, or DreamWorks, and it's like, oh well, let's see what happens. But that, but that's kind of why I think DreamWorks is, um, aside from Disney, my favorite anime animation studio because, um, barring a few exceptions, they will at least try to take to take chances. Yeah, um, yeah, yeah. That that's that's very true. Like, like just sure, talking the, about sure, this, it, it like, just makes me want to watch. Forever, the, go ahead. Um. For 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 every like for every Shark Tales, it, and fortunately it never got worse than Shark Tales. Um, I'll say Shrek the Third got close. <laughs> got got close, but I think Shark Tales is still worse. But it is like for every one of those, there are like five How to Train Your Dragons or Kung Fu Pandas or, or Madagascar's. What ones that like aim high and will mostly hit the mark. Like I remember back in 2017, which wasn't a really, which was not a great year for animation. They released Captain Underpants and that was such a delight of a movie. Like, and it's just like, yeah. <laughs> so I, I, I think that's all I have to say. I, I liked Trolls World Tour. It still has a few story structure issues, but 
it's harmless. It's not one of the worst. I still think the Pokemon Mewtwo Strikes Back remake is still the worst animated film I've seen this year. If you have a family, I'd say rent it. But if it's you just be willing to watch it multiple times. Yeah, so I, I mean, that's just me. It, it's a recommendation, but with an asterisk next to it. I'm I'm a little more positive towards um, Trolls World Tour. Um, I still stand by my my unusually high rating on Letterbox, but talking but talking through it has really has really solidified um, both the strengths and the weaknesses that this film has. Overall, I will recommend it. Um, I think it's especially um, geared towards a younger audience. Mm-hmm. Um, but there are a, a couple jokes that adults might chuckle at. Yeah. Um, as far as sequels go, this is like this is not this is not top tier. It's more like. It, it's 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 mid tier for Pixar sequels. Or, yeah. I'm sorry, DreamWorks. Yeah, yeah. No, I I definitely place it in the middle. Definitely not one of their best movies, but far from Shark Tales or Shrek the Third or Home. It's below, I'd say, Over the Hedge. Hmm. Hmm. Yeah. I mean, I need to see Over the Hedge again, but it's been ages. Same. Um, Hey, I, I will say, however, one, I think the worst DreamWorks movie is the one that everybody forgot about. You guys remember Joseph, the King of Dreams? Oh. We don't talk about that. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. <laughs> at least, so I think there is something worse than Shark Tale. At least it wasn't as bad as that. Yeah, no, Shark Tale is still the worst, and... But it's got a charm to it because it's, it's so bad. But guys, Martin Scorsese. Oh, Martin God. Scorsese fish. Oh, not Lord. all not all white fish can do it. <laughs> Thank you that line. <laughs> With Trolls World Tour, you got to know what you're getting into. If you're expecting something along the lines of the movies I said before, like SpongeBob SquarePants the movie or the Lego movie, we're on the surface, it's loud, and it's random, and it's crazy. But deep down, there's, in my opinion, there's like a lot of substance to it that requires you to watch it multiple times, not only because you want, like, you know, there's a lot of stuff to take in, but also because it's really funny, and you'll laugh out loud every time, and there's jokes that you miss every two seconds. This isn't the movie for you. It's a nice movie to put on in the background for your like while you're doing other things or you know your kids can watch it if they're getting bored with their homework right now you know i I give it a cheat on your wife out of 10 (laughs) nice crystal well yeah Uh, i i it's kind of troubling because i'm starting to see a trend with dreamworks it's it's been the same with Trolls 2, How to Train Your Dragon 3, and Kung mm-hmm. Fu Panda 3, where they it, it's just a cash grab. They're, they're trying really hard to set up side characters to ha- start shows, make toys. And I understand it, it's what keeps the lights on, but 
I just miss the days of How to Train Your Dragon 2 and Kung Fu Panda 2. We rewatched Kung Fu Panda 2 and Josh got emotional. It, it was it was yeah. that I don't know. It's it's kind of sad just to see what my fate one of my favorite animation studios just kind of going down this this sad dark path. Who would you give the movie? <sighs> I don't know. It's it's a good movie for kids. If for I, kids, I, I give it probably like a, a seven out of ten. But for a family yeah. movie, uh, I I give it a four, maybe a five. That's fair. That's fair. How about we uh, end this with some positivity? Let's talk about some uh, like shows that we've been watching in anime animation wise, and then some recommendations maybe. Uh, well, I've already said at the top that that Ducktales and Harley Quinn are my two. Those, those two right now are the ones that are keeping me happy through throughout Harley, these yeah. uh, quarantine times. Yeah, <laughs> Harley Quinn is so good, and it almost sounds feels like a show that would fall apart if they like fight with one wrong story beat. But it's so funny. I love Clayface. I love King Shark. I love uh, Perfe- uh, Dr. Psycho or whatever his name is. Yeah, doc- Dr. Psycho. And Sa- the, sa- the same voice actor, um, Tony Hale, who voices Forky in Toy Story 4. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that that's great. Oh, my- but... Uh, I've been watching a lot of like a lot of anime series because I just haven't been able to sit down and commit to it. I highly recommend people watch B Stars on Netflix. It's like a slightly sharper edged uh, Zootopia. So uh, there's a lot of violence, there's a lot of blood, there's murder, and there's sex. So absolutely, oh, yeah. yeah. So absolutely not for kids. But even though I described it as that. It's well written. The characters are great, and it, it and even though it uses CGI animation for uh, its animation, it's done by a studio that knows how to work with it. You would forget at times that it's CGI. Um, it, it's just a greatly written show. Just probably my favorite anime outside of Keep Your Hands Off Isaacin on Crunchyroll. Um, and I also finished up Ultraman, and I I highly recommend that if you're looking for something different with your action anime and and such. So B stars and Ultraman. Yeah, I almost recommended Scissor Seven, which is Netflix's first Chinese animated series, Ooh. but it it falls apart a little too much near the end. But if you want some like quirky dark humor and the episodes are short they're 15 minutes long you'll like you won't miss much but if you're looking for something for like family and such for everyone to enjoy watch the new Sean the sheep netflix series it is delightful it's charming and it's funny for just everyone i will definitely check that out and i also need to catch up on uh farmageddon uh i i recommend that movie Josh, Crystal, do you guys have any uh, recommendations before we close out? 
Uh, well, me and Josh haven't really been watching too many animated shows recently. Uh, I have. I, I'm pretty sure I have mentioned in the last few podcasts that we binged the entire uh, Avatar: The Last Airbender series because I had never like fully watched it. Oh, that must have been a treat. I oh, I love experiencing shows was, like. It was beautiful, beautiful. Yeah, that that's, is, that's one of Nickelodeon's best shows. Absolutely. Yeah, agreed. It, it's really surprising to have uh, to, to to watch it again and just kind of look at it back in the lens that it was. Where, you know, we um, I remember back when it was airing and. You know, around that time, SpongeBob and Danny Phantom were on, and Fairly Odd Parents. I mean, right. most of those are still on now, but that was like the predominating thing. It was just like, what's this action show doing here? Oh, I hate that. I actually was a contrarian. I did not want to watch Avatar because it cut into my SpongeBob. And then <laughs> one day, one day, I watched the Ember Island players, and I realized, oh my god, I I really like what I'm watching. And then the next thing I know, it's the finale. Uh, that that's a good episode of, to watch. It's super funny. And just rewatching it, like every time I rewatch it, I'm blown away with how good it is. Like writing wise, it's just so just well executed. Everything, the music, the acting, the just the, the writing. <laughs> Zuko, Iro, oh my god, and, oh, my favorite character. And I tried to get her to watch Korra, but she couldn't get into it. I couldn't. I just that's couldn't. A th- I, I I promise the second half of Korra gets gets much better. Yeah, Korra got what's a victim of Nickelodeon's changing times. So yeah, they this show gets a little rough in some areas. But if you watch the episode where you find out the origins of the Avatar, it will make up for any of that. That's the probably the best episode of the first half of the series. That that was that was the turning point for me. When when the show went from, uh, I'm watching it because it's connected to Avatar to oh, I actually kind of really like this now. Yeah, it it's just a bummer. You kind of have to get through a lot of shenanigans. Like and- when I hear stuff like that, I was getting really like I used to think that I used to say that like oh yeah, just get to the second half. But then I, I found myself like kind of seeing the opposite end of it when I would look on Twitter and people would recommend One Piece. And they would say, oh, no, 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 look, I know it's cringe. But after the first, like, 900 episodes, I promise everything <laughs> else is brilliant. Or with, with like, games like Final Fantasy thirteen, it's like, oh, yeah, you have to wait through the first 35 hours. But after that, the oh, other 60 oh, oh. are amazing. Where it's like, yeah, but if you have to go through most of half of the show. In order to enjoy it, then what's the point? No, that's 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 like understandable. I totally get that, and yeah, that was my problem with Final Fantasy Thirteen. Um, <laughs> um, Let's say also with Kingdom Hearts. Okay, we're not getting into that. We are allowed <laughs> yeah, to have our, our guilty pleasures. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Um, if, if there's one, if there's two strict animation shows that I want to recommend, I'd recommend if you're able to find it. Um, Ed, Ed, and Eddie. Oh, oh my God! That's I, a great one. That was my childhood. <laughs> that yeah. was mine. I such a unique animation style, and it toes the line between being just weird and gross enough for 
only kids and clever enough for older viewers. Like some the writing in those episodes is surprisingly smart for as stupid as it is. <laughs> it, well, it, it's the best kind of stupid. It's stupid that's, well, this is going to sound weird. It's smart stupid. <laughs> yeah. 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 Um, and, and then the other one is Hilda, which I know I've mentioned before, but Hilda, it's the perfect show to watch, especially during this quarantine. Just laid back, chill, fantasy adventure, but really, really, really sweet and sincere. Yeah, yeah. I second that. I love Hilda. That's such a good. Oh, yeah. That's that's one that that's one that I need to hop on almost immediately. One yeah. that yeah. one more that it. I need to to plug in is just see. I've noticed you guys are from a very different generation than what I am. I literally just turned eighteen uh, this week. Awesome. Yeah. So it's it's pretty awesome, but. I'm very close to what to Josh's generation, but not quite there. Mm-hmm. But my childhood cartoon was absolutely the uh, 2012 Nickelodeon uh, Ninja Turtles series. Ooh, that show! Yeah. I don't, I don't know if you guys have watched it, but it's, it's honestly the first few episodes are really cringe <laughs> rewatching them. Yeah. But this show grows so much; like it literally grew with me. And by the end, the last, uh, the second to last season, because there's like an extra season at the end where it's just like a whole bunch of anthology stories. Mm-hmm. But the second to last season is so well written. I love it. So I, I definitely been. recommend that one. I grew up with the 2000s Ninja Turtle show. 2003, oh. hell yeah. Same. Yeah, yeah. Um, I, I was too young to get into the... 80s show but i was like at the right age to enjoy the the uh 2003 one so i need to check out this other one because i've heard great things and it has a bunch of voice actors i like in it oh yeah it, it's I mean, on it's on yeah. hulu if you if you get a chance like all the seasons are on there yeah, yeah. Bob paulson yeah, making def- a comeback as donatello i mean it's the per it's perfect yeah yeah <laughs> all right well there there you go guys plenty of recommendations for your uh to uh, scratch that animation itch. Yeah, yeah. Now, yeah, uh, where can... Times of doing absolutely nothing. <laughs> Indeed. All right, well, uh, I guess that's a wrap for today. Um, Josh, Crystal, where can they find you guys on the internet? On the internet? Well, um, you can find me on YouTube at uh, JoshBoy64. Where ready for a long plug. <laughs> late, later on this month, I'm going to upload the creative burnout of David Benioff and D.B. Weiss part three, the epic finale of my three-part big critique on the last season of Game of Thrones and the creators. You can find me on Facebook in the group. I'm in a wheelchair. Um, hopefully, I'll graduate to crutches soon. Um, you can... Um, you can find me on Twitter at JSH Lozano. I use the same picture I used for the past four years, not counting the the, the the wheelchair one. If I get 10 more followers, I will change my picture. Oh, my God. She'll probably make me change it sooner. And, <laughs> um, yeah, that's basically it. If there's 
one more thing I want to, I want to shout out. I want to shout out, uh, an old, uh, a YouTube account that I actually, uh, was somewhat, uh, I, I talked to around the time I did my big YouTube video on Marvel. Go give low poly mode, uh, a shout out on YouTube. He does, uh, mostly video games, but he, he, he's, he's got like a nice little uh, thing going for him. And some of his videos are really good. There was one that he did on, uh, Uncharted's multiplayer that I absolutely adored. And it was, it was just childhood for me watching that video and how he would talk about it. Nice. And for me, you can find me on Twitter at simply underscore ragu816. And Josh insists that I plug this in my TikTok <laughs> under the same name. And I also have a Facebook, Crystal Gillum, and I'm on the Renegade Pop Culture forum or whatever, <laughs> the page. And that's about it. All right, Cameron, what about you? Well, you can find me on Facebook in the group, um, or you can find me on Twitter at Cam's Eye View. I think my Instagram is the same one. I need to start focusing on that. I have a website called camseyeview.biz where you can catch all my animation reviews, editorials, and some of my previous work on there. I have a Patreon at patreon.com slash camseyeview.biz. I recently put out a review for the anime action film Sword of the Stranger. It's a film I highly recommend if you want a good action film to watch that's not live action. And that's really it. Oh, and uh, I know we forgot to bring this up, but uh, I want to give a shout out to Leica for being an awesome studio by keeping everyone on the payroll while this whole thing is going on. So, oh yeah, yes. Travis Knight is like the best, uh, the best human right now. Yes. Yeah, so, shout out to Travis Knight being a good egg amongst these depressing times and of people losing their jobs and whatnot. I commemorate him for doing that. And even though they're not being able to work on anything, he's making sure the employees come first. So that's Good it on him. Uh, you guys can find me on Twitter at uh, captain K 42 uh, letterbox. You can check out all my quick thoughts at uh, letterbox.com slash coachk42. And look for me in all the various Facebook groups just at my name, Michael K. Thank you guys for listening to episode two of Tuned Up. And we will see you next time. Take Bye. care. Bye-bye.